Welcome to Sunday Sermons from the Williamsburg Community Chapel, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Mark. We're going to be in chapter 10, verses 32 through 45 this morning, as we prepare to hear from Dale South as he gives our Palm Sunday message titled, A Ransom for Many. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark begins his gospel, writing about John the Baptist. He was writing that John the Baptist was a messenger who had been prophesied like 600 years earlier in the book of Isaiah. And the prophecy was that this messenger would appear in the wilderness announcing the coming of the Jewish Messiah King. And he would be calling people, John did from their sins, calling them to repent and to be baptized as as a symbol of being cleansed from their sins. John the Baptist was a great messenger. Jesus said there was actually no one better. And he performed his role as messenger with courage and excellence as he was announcing the coming of this new king. And he was doing that in a world where kings on earth were absolutely paranoid that someone was going to take their throne. They were even paranoid that their own children were going to be taking their throne. And so John had a hard message to to share, and he wasn't always the most subtle or the most politically correct as he shared his message. He called the religious leaders of the time a brood of vipers, and he called out the regional king Herod for having married his brother's ex-wife and it's more than just marrying her it seems like there were some things going on that caused her to leave him for the king Herod that one got John imprisoned and beheaded so early on in Mark chapter 1 we read now after John was arrested Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. We see Jesus actually picking up right where John went off. But he was essentially saying, John was my messenger. John was sent to prepare the way for me to announce my kingdom. Now I'm here and it's time to get that kingdom started. So on that that Sunday when people threw palm branches and their cloaks to the ground before the donkey that was carrying Jesus so that the donkey could walk on them, they they were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. So looking at that scene, we we get the impression that the the people were starting to get it. They they were realizing and recognizing that Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah King, the one who would come from the lineage of their ancestor, David. And they were shouting to him, Hosanna, save us. 
As we go back from that Palm Sunday to the very beginning when Jesus started preaching about the kingdom, announcing that it was among them, they needed to repent and believe. Three years had passed between the time Jesus came onto the scene and this Palm Sunday. And during those three years, Jesus demonstrated his authority as the king. He was a king like no other king. Jesus healed all sorts of sicknesses. On two occasions, he fed thousands of people with just a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish. He showed his power over nature. He was able to calm the winds and the storms and the seas. He freed people from evil spirits and bondage. He even brought dead people back to life. During his public ministry, Jesus both told and showed that God's kingdom had invaded the world's kingdoms. And when Jesus called people to repent because the kingdom of God was at hand, he was actually calling them to turn away from their other allegiances and to give him their allegiance as their true king. In Mark 11, when we read about this passage of Palm Sunday, we, we see this mass of people calling out to Jesus as their saving Messiah. We can only imagine how threatened some of the paranoid kings were, how unsettled some of the Jewish leaders were, how uncertain the Roman government was that this might lead to an uprising. But from all appearances, it appeared that these people in the crowd who were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and our father David, that these people were ready and willing to follow Jesus as their king and Messiah. But most of us have come to realize that outward appearances aren't always what they seem. And what we see on the outside doesn't always reflect what's going on on the inside. This huge crowd is shouting praises to Jesus as king on Sunday morning. But by Friday morning, a huge crowd is shouting crucify him. How fickle. As we look back at verses 33 and 34 that Martha read from Mark 10, we see Jesus saying, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and they will flog him. And three days later, he will rise. This is actually the third time Mark records Jesus telling his disciples that he would be arrested, that he would be killed, and that he would come back to life from the dead. We see it once in John, or Mark chapter 8, once in Mark 9, and this one in Mark 10. Guys, as Travis has mentioned before, and as we've talked before, when you see that kind of repetition, you know it's meant to grab the reader's attention. We, we see why then did Jesus need to tell his disciples basically the same thing on three different occasions in such close proximity within days of one another? I'd like to quickly retell what happened in those other occasions as well and the situation surrounding those three announcements of Jesus' imminent death and resurrection. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? 
And Peter answered, he said, you are the Christ, the anointed Messiah King. And Jesus then gave the first announcement about his suffering and being killed and rising from the dead. It came immediately after Peter had correctly identified him as the promised Messiah King. And when Jesus gave that announcement that he would die and that he would rise again, Peter rebuked Jesus for saying such a thing because the thought of Jesus dying, even if he would be resurrected after three days, it just did not fit in Peter's understanding of God's kingdom and Jesus as the anointed Messiah King. Now, Jesus responded to Peter with a rebuke of his own, a harsh one, when he said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I confess to you that that is one of the greatest challenges of my life, to set my heart on the things of God rather than on the things of man. Now, Peter had at least verbalized the right answer, that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He's the promised king sent from God who would establish God's kingdom on the earth. So often it's almost like a quiz with many of us that we're just happy to have the right answer. But like most Jews of his day, Peter was expecting the Messiah to bring military victory and political freedom. And Peter could not imagine in any way, fashion, or form that a dying Messiah could fit into that vision. You see, Peter had the right king, but he had the wrong kingdom. Jesus then took the disciples aside and he sat them down and he invited a crowd to join. He said, you all must deny yourselves if you want to follow me. The way of Jesus' kingdom is not self-fulfillment. It is self-denial. And his kingdom is absolutely countercultural to every single kingdom and every single king that has ever been on the face of the earth. We see Jesus' second prediction in Mark chapter 9, that he would be turned over to men who would kill him, but after three days he would rise again from the dead. And Mark writes, but they did not understand the saying they were afraid to ask. Then right after Jesus had given the second prediction, he was going to be turned over and be killed and be resurrected again. They start arguing among themselves about who was the greatest. Now, Jesus knew that they were getting it, that he was the Messiah King, but he also knew that they were confusing his kingdom with the kingdoms of this world. They they were looking for his kingdom to give them positions and to give them prestige. So once again, we see that they had the right king, but they had the wrong kingdom. Jesus sits them down again. And he said, if you would be first, you must be last of all and servant of all. That's not the kind of kingdom they were hoping for. And right after Jesus' third prediction that Martha read about in verse 33, 34, the brothers, James and John, asked Jesus for sort of a blank check. 
Teacher, just do whatever we ask you to do. And Jesus didn't fall for their childish tactic, but he said, well, what do you want me to do for you? And their request was one for one to sit at Jesus' right hand, one to sit at Jesus' left hand in the coming kingdom. See, they were asking again for positions. They were asking for power. They were asking for prestige. And once again, Mark shows that the disciples had the right king, but the wrong kingdom. One more time, Jesus pulls them aside. He sets them down. And he says, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord their authority over them and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. At one point, Jesus uses the word servant, diaconus, like a deacon, a table waiter, or someone who's serving. This place, he uses the word doulas, which actually is someone who belongs to somebody else. He said, you, you must belong to me as the king. You've, you've given up the rights to your own life. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, Jesus' kingdom simply does not work the way the kingdoms of the world work. We're going to talk more about Jesus being this servant on our Good Friday service. And as Travis invited you, I invite you once again. We do not want to skip from Palm Sunday to Easter, as someone prayed this morning, without going through the rest of Holy Week and, and the cross on Good Friday. Mark's gospel actually gives us sort of bookends to Jesus announcing his coming arrest and crucifixion and resurrection those three times. After, after his very first prediction in Mark chapter 8, Jesus asked a profound question. He says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? You see, no matter how many possessions we can accumulate, no matter how much power no matter how much of a high position, how much prestige, no matter what we can acquire, absolutely no one can buy back his or her soul from the consequences of sin and death. It's one thing that the richest people in the world cannot do is buy their own salvation, pay back or buy back their own lost souls. And Mark chapter 10, verse 45, after this third prediction, Jesus then says that he, he said, he gave his life as a ransom to save our souls from the ravages of sin and death and separation from God. What we could not buy with all the world's possessions and prestige and power, Jesus bought for us to redeem us as a ransom to buy us back at the cost of his own body and blood. At all three of those occasions where Jesus announced his imminent arrest and his death by crucifixion and resurrection, we, we see that even his closest disciples recognized him as the Messiah King 
but they did not recognize the kingdom that he was calling them to enter. They had the right king, but the wrong kingdom. My focus this morning has been on having the right king and the wrong kingdom, because I believe that's probably where most of us have the biggest problem, as those who name Jesus as king. But there are some other options that we'll look at as well, because when we talk about earthly kingdoms and the kingdom of God, and when we talk about earthly kings and Jesus, there are at least four possible combinations that I want to briefly have us consider this morning about kings and kingdoms that we can choose. You see, it's possible to have the right king and the right kingdom, that is to receive Jesus as king and to pursue his kingdom above all other kingdoms. That's one possibility. Another is that we could have the right king and the wrong kingdom, which is what we see happening repeatedly in Mark's gospel and oftentimes in our lives. We could have also the wrong king and the wrong kingdom. That's where every one of us starts off in life before we hear the gospel, before we come to understand that Jesus is the promised king and that he does have a kingdom that's different from the kingdoms of this world. And then there's one other possibility, I believe, and that is that people can have the wrong king but be striving toward the right kingdom. People who want justice and beauty and they offer self-sacrifice, but they don't know Jesus and they don't follow him yet as king. If we trust Jesus as the Messiah King, and we can accept this kingdom of self-sacrifice and suffering and service, that would be the right king and the right kingdom. But I can tell you, I've been a follower of Jesus for 48 years since I've trusted him as the Messiah and King. And there have been some wonderful moments when I've walked with him as the right king, pursuing the right kingdom. But all too often, I'm much more like the 12 disciples, that I find myself naming Jesus as king and calling him Lord and praising him on a Sunday morning. And and yet find myself pursuing the wrong kingdoms other days of the week. Most of us start out wanting to be our own kings and queens. It's pretty much in our nature. We want to control our own lives, and often we're not happy if we can't control the lives of others. We did not have to be taught to act like that. We didn't have to be taught to act as if the world revolves around us and other people should. Also, on the contrary... We had to be taught not to act like that to keep us from becoming narcissistic psychopaths. There's there's one other possible combination, and that is to pursue a kingdom that looks like the kingdom of Jesus without trusting and following Jesus as the king. Again, that's the wrong king, the right kingdom. I see this in many people who who just long for a more just world. They they love beauty. They live lives of self-sacrifice. 
taking low-income jobs to help serve the poor. They're willing to give up their possessions. They're willing to give up their power. They're not looking for prestige. They're looking for the good of others. They want the captives and the oppressed to be set free. They want to steward the environment for future generations. They want to be loved and they want to be loving as they understand love. But often their understanding is misunderstanding from what the Bible says love is. The problem with that Posture is that no one can realize God's beautiful kingdom of justice and love and wholeness without Jesus at the king. Everything else becomes a utopian dream. The big idea this morning, may have to say it a couple of times before it will sink in, but it is possible to get the right king and miss the right kingdom. I think we see that all three times in the Gospel of Mark, and I think we see it all too often in our own lives. But it is impossible to get the right kingdom if you miss the right king. That's why we go out from here as ambassadors of Jesus, and we share that good news with others. That original Palm Sunday that we commemorate today occurred just a few days after Jesus' third prediction of his arrest and death and resurrection. And that day... Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey colt. This fulfilled the prophecy written over 500 years earlier in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And Jesus' choice to ride the donkey was a signal that communicated a lot about his coming kingdom. He did not come in triumphantly on a chariot pulled by horses or on some majestic elephants as some kings of the time did at their coronation. Jesus was not accompanied by soldiers. See, that donkey was an animal that kings often rode on, but it symbolized that Jesus came as a king in peace, not as a conqueror. The Bible also talks in the book of Revelation about Jesus coming again as a conquering king who will come on a great white horse. This was not that time. In term... It turns out that the crowds yelling praises to Jesus as king that morning had not grasped the truth about his kingdom that he was calling them into. They they wanted Jesus to be the king who would establish the kingdom they had envisioned in their minds, a political, military kingdom that would overthrow the oppressive occupying Roman soldiers If we're not constantly going back to the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we will serve a kingdom and vision in our mind that doesn't look like the kingdom of God that Jesus describes in those gospels. In the four combinations we've looked at this morning, which combination best describes you right now at this moment? You have the right king? Are you pursuing the right kingdom? Do you have the wrong kingdom? Perhaps you have the right king, but the wrong kingdom. You find yourself serving more for possessions and position and prestige and power. Or perhaps you have the wrong king and the wrong kingdom, and you you have not come to really understand the gospel. You've maybe just starting to investigate it, and if that's the case, we're absolutely grateful that you're here. We want to encourage you to ask those tough questions. Get into what Jesus taught. See if he really is who he says he was, and if he was... What will you do about that? And then there may be some 
who are trying to establish the kingdom of righteousness and justice and goodness in this world without King Jesus. Take a moment, if you will, to ask yourself, how would I respond if Jesus stood before me and he asked the same question that he asked to James and John when they said, give us whatever we want, please. And Jesus said, what is it that you want me to do for you? Your honest response to that question will reveal a lot about what king you're serving and what kingdom you truly are pursuing. How might things be different if the millions and millions of Christians who call Jesus Messiah and King were pursuing his kingdom more than the kingdoms of this world? What if the motto we lived by was Jesus' kingdom first? This Palm Sunday reminds us that we are capable of gathering on a Sunday morning, singing hosannas and praises to Jesus as king, but we're also capable of turning on him Friday morning when his kingdom starts to conflict with our own. We can be just as fickle as the crowd on Palm Sunday. So if you have not recognized Jesus as the king who gave his life as a ransom for your life, please hear the gospel of good news this morning. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for you. He is establishing a new kingdom that is a beautiful kingdom. And he invites you to be a part of it and to serve him in it. Will you turn to him this morning in trusting faith? And if you call Jesus king already, but you've been pursuing kingdoms of possessions and position and power rather than the kingdom of self-denial and sacrifice and service that Jesus modeled and called us to, will you Turn to Jesus this Palm Sunday and renew your allegiance to his rule. You see, our our, our evangelism, unfortunately, does a much better job of talking about Jesus as the king who forgives sins than it does about Jesus who's establishing a kingdom that is countercultural to every kingdom the world has, in which he rules over all. But if you are in either one of those cases this morning, not yet knowing Jesus or knowing him, but serving the wrong kingdom. And you turn to him. In both cases, Jesus promises he's going to give you the Holy Spirit to help you do that, to give you the right heart to do that and to give you the power to do that. And if this is brand new to you and you just really aren't sure, you think you might be interested in following Jesus as king, that beautiful kingdom sounds attractive to you, but you're just not quite there with all the questions and and uncertainties, we we invite you to come step up for prayer this morning or talk to one of our pastors after the service. As we come now to the time of our communion together, please know that the body and the blood of Jesus were the ransom paid for you and for me to have our souls redeemed and restored and to make us citizens of a brand new kingdom 
that is more beautiful and more powerful than any kingdom this earth will ever have to offer. Thank you for joining us today. Here at the Williamsburg Community Chapel, we are all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we are excited to help you connect to Christ and His community. Have a blessed day.